Father, hold on. We got it. We got it. Just hold on. Some of us here today are feeling like letting go. This is Labor Day weekend. Already in the new season. Don't let them let go. Don't let anybody here let go. We're going to hold on. There's something to live for. We're going to hold on. There's someone who cares. So, our few minutes together, make it clear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, years ago, a songwriter named Harry Nilsson, <coughs> excuse me, Harry Nilsson wrote a song that begins with these words. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one. Why are you looking at me that way? I'm not going to quit my day job, so don't worry about it. I'm fine. <clears throat> you know, it, was the songwriter right? I think he was. I read a piece this summer, L.A. Times op-ed piece written by the vice provost of USC. You know what those, those initials stand for? University of Southern California. If you're a Notre Dame football fan, you know what you feel about USC. So the vice provost, his opening words in this op-ed piece, put them on the screen, please. Take a look at this. When I arrived at USC 11 years ago, my conversations with students mostly focused on their quest for meaning and purpose. But over the last several years, these conversations have taken a devastating turn. Whereas students used to ask, how should I live? They are now more likely to ask, why should I live? What I've noticed in my work with students is that many of them face the same hidden root challenge. Come on, what's that word? What's that word? Loneliness. One is the loneliest number. It's the truth. So I read that op-ed piece and I said, hmm, Google, help me out. Is it just the young that have struggles with loneliness and Google kicked up, kicked up all its answers? I found this March this year, U.S. News and World Report, reporting on a study they did of 20,000 U.S. adults. And in this study they found, let me, let me just share this with you, that nearly half of those adults felt lonely at least some time. Hmm? And only 53%, hardly over half, said they had meaningful face-to-face -face interactions every day. Whoa. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Some researchers, in fact, are declaring loneliness a national epidemic in America. Turns out, whether you're young or not so young, loneliness is an equal opportunity big hurt. Come on, so what do we do? We're surrounded by people. I got a thousand followers on, our, you know, on my social media account, but I'm lonely. What's up with that? One more, one more word from our friend the vice provost, who is Varun Soni, his words on the screen here, I never got the question in my first five years at USC that I get now almost daily from students, how do I make friends? Kids aren't the only ones asking the question. Married or single, doesn't matter. Young or not so young, people are wondering, how do I... Put that on the screen again, please. How do I make friends? Roommates, bad dates, and soulmates. This isn't just for teeny boppers. 
This is for you and me, whatever your age is, because we're all in this together. I want to share with you four secrets to growing a friendship forever. Four secrets. I'm going to start with this word from the Creator. A very provocative word, by the way, at the beginning of human history, the Creator. Listen to this. This is Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man, he's talking about Adam there, to be alone. I will make a companion who can help him. He's talking about Eve. We all know from uh, those of you that read the New Testament know that Jesus is the creator of the universe. So that, that's the pre-incarnate Christ saying, you know what? It is not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for anybody to be alone. I'm going to make a partner. I'm going to give you a friend. You need a friend. Some people read that line and say, aha, you know what this is telling us to do? This is, this is requiring everybody to get married. It's like this little girl who came, came home from vacation Bible school, and mommy said, uh, what'd you learn in vacation Bible school? And the little girl said, our teacher told us about knowing the ark and how the animals went in two by two. And mother said, well, what'd you learn from that? And the little girl replied, yo, you got to get married if you don't want to be left behind. I don't, think, I don't think that's what God was, I don't think that's what God was trying to teach to that story. Because the truth of the matter is, come on. Singles, some of the greatest figures in Holy Scripture, our Lord Jesus Himself, they were single all their lives as Jesus was. So this, this is not God saying, you got to get married in order to be happy. Oh, we just got that one out of this little series quickly. No, one, that's what the Creator's saying. You were made for people. You were not made. One is the loneliness, loneliest number that you'll ever do. You were not made to be alone. I'm going to help you find a friend. Roommates, bad dates, soulmates. So the big question is, if I've been created for friends, how am I going to make those friends? And by the way, it's not just about making friends. It's also about keeping friends because some of you are saying, man, I have no need of this because I already have all the friends I want. Yeah, but can you keep your friends? So we plunge into this together. It's interesting when you talk about making friends, by the way, that they, well, they did a study over in Norway, 15,000 people in this survey, and they found out that based on your age, they can tell the kind of friendship you're focused on. This is, this is fascinating. Let's put it on the screen. Between 18 and 29, if that's your age, you're looking for quantity. You want lots and lots of friends. Look at how many friends I have. Can you see this? Look at Those are all my friends. All right? So quantity is a big deal from 18 to 29. From uh, 30 to 64, quality. They want a deepening relationship. Not, not, not many friends. I just want to go deeper. And uh, 65 and older, I couldn't find anything in it. I think they're saying, look, at 65 and older, you ought to be glad you're alive. And just get on with it. <laughs> Who needs this? So the good news is we're going to share both. We're going to help you up your friend count, and we're going to help you deepen your relationships. That's the deal. Now, Dr. Stephen Johnson in the book Friendship Factor, a delightful book if you can never get a hold of it, he says, listen, you need to ask yourself four questions because some of you are saying, man, I got all the friends I need. I got the friends of the world. Okay, we're going to find out. I'm going to run four questions by you, and you're going to check and see if your friends match this because if, it, if they match this, then you got some serious friends, all right? Let's put four questions on the screen. Question number one, do you have at least one person nearby whom you can call on in times of personal distress? 
The fire this very week in the village of Berrien Springs, Saturday night, wasn't that something? That fire immediately, 40, in the apartment complex, gone. 40 people displaced. A bunch of them had to pull their cell phones out and say, hey, yo, 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 this is bad. Can I stay with you for a while? So question number one, do you have friends nearby? The key word, put that back on the screen. For, uh, question number one again, please. The key word there is, do you have at least one person nearby? We're not talking about your mom and dad across the world. We're talking about somebody nearby whom you can call on in times of personal distress. Here comes question number two. Do you have several people who you, whom you can visit with with little advance warning without apology? Yo, ding dong or knock at the dormitory door. Yo, I'm here. Come on in. Do you have some of those? Good. I'm glad for you. Here's question number three. Do you have several people with whom you can share recreational activities? Karen and I are going to want to do some biking this weekend. Yo, you want to go biking? Do you have friends like that? And finally, question number four. Do you have people who will lend you money? Oh, now we're getting down to brass tacks. Do you have people who will lend you money? Now, if you're a student, the likelihood of that is pretty low. But if you have students for friends. But uh, read the rest of the question. Do you have people who will lend you money if you need it or those who will care for you in practical ways if the need arises? If you're not sure about any of these questions and you'd like to up your friend count or deepen your relationships, I got good news for you. You're in the right place at the right time. That's what we're going after. Now, I want to bring my uh, Gen Z friends up. You know what Gen Z is, don't you? Born between 1995 and 2006. Okay, so come on up, guys. These are college students, university students here at uh, Andrews, and their names are officially in the worship bulletin. You want to get the, the full names, but I'm going to start here with Alex because Alex, my man, is, a, is majoring in psychology. Good guy to have. By the way, I met with a, all through the school year with a group we called the Collegiate Council. And there, there are a whole bunch more that are not here, but these three did some research this summer and shared their research with me, and so I want to honor that. So Alex is here. He's a psychology major. We've got Rebecca right beside Alex. She is finishing up on nursing. Both of these are finishing up. you got William on the other side of the pulpit. William is architecture. Now, architecture means you've got to go five years just to get your basic minimum. So William is going to be here just a little longer. Guys. I want to talk about social media. Come on, that's the big deal right now. What did I read? 51% uh, of the planet is under the age of 25. 98% of teens on the planet own smartphones. And the average, the average of, uh, of young from 13 to 24, the average is 100 times checking in on their social media. Okay. So let's roll this little video because we've got this video. It's a, it's a, it's a cute little setup. And uh, we, need to, we need to see what this video is trying to tell us. Please. Huh, Lisa just got promoted to manager at work. I gotta say something to her. I'm gonna say, congratulations. You're amazing. Oh, well. Oh, here's, uh, here's Lisa. She wants, she's planning a party to celebrate this thing. I don't think I'm going to go to this. Sorry, Lisa. I can't come. I'll be out of town that day. <laughs> That's not true, but Lisa is making a big deal about nothing. Look, Jim is in Italy. And he's with Karen and Carlos, too? 
they wanted me to go with them, but I was just so behind on all of my favorite TV shows and I really didn't have time to travel right now. Hello? Oh, hi, Jess. Okay, well, um, you said this week or this weekend? Oh, okay, so tonight. Um, well, I really appreciate it, but um, I gotta work late tonight. And the rest of the week, too. <laughs> okay, thank you. You have a good night. Thank you, Jess. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye. You're such a good listener. I know, you're such a good listener. This is why I love talking to you. Uh, I know. So many All right, you, get, you, you got a feel for that. Those of you that live in Bering Springs recognize Lake Chapin in the background. You know, our media team put that together. Beautiful job. So, Alex, come on. You did the uh, research this summer on interpersonal relationships. You sent me that paper, and I have it right here. I was fascinated by this. Intrigued. Daniel, you quote him, Daniel Gulati in his article, Facebook is making us miserable notes. Face, social media is making us miserable? Come on. What's up with that, Alex? A good way to answer is another research that was done in, 18, in 1982. Yes. Most people had a confidant or somebody they could really rely on and talk to. They had about an average of three. In, three? Three. In 2004, that number dropped to two. In 2010, Pew Research did on the same topic, and they found that it was two again, but second and very close to being first, most people said none. And social media, we drive for this fact of being connected with people, mm -hmm. but it seems to be really that it drives us to not have true connection with the people and end up being more alone after being on social media than That's, a, that, that's amazing to me. It actually, the technology creates a silo, and we're just living in that silo. Now, you guys are all social media experts, I know. But uh, when I think of social media, a lot of people like to kind of diss social media, like, well, let's get rid of social media, get rid of this technology. We're not doing that. There have to be some upsides, okay? So let's just think out loud. Uh, what would you say, any of you, uh, an upside to uh, social media? Well, Pastor Dwight, I think we know, and as a church, social media has been a huge part of our ministry, and we were able to reach so many people in different parts of the world. But personally, um, from my experience, I have had the chance to grow up in different countries. I lived in Burma, Philippines, and now in the States. And if there wasn't social media, I wouldn't be able to still connect with my friends from different parts of the country. In fact, my very best friend, Kimberly, she's in the Philippines at the moment, and it's only through social media that we're able to con connect each other until now. After so, several years. So it's not just, it, it's not about getting rid of social media. It's not about getting rid of the technology. It can't be. It's a, it's a very useful uh, tool. But, and I was looking through your, your paper, Between Services, and I came across this uh, Facebook envy. In other words, what's going on there? Uh, Will, come on, jump in. What's going on? Facebook envy. What, why, why are people looking at this and, uh, So... This summer, I came across a term that I guess I haven't been able to place yet, and it was that the new generations is tech-dependent and not tech-savvy, mm -hmm. and I see that in the light that when we're needing to go somewhere, for example, mm. need to talk to someone, we don't go to that person directly, but instead, we may just text them. And we avoid these, these encounters that we could have, more genuine encounters, 
because we're, we become tech dependent. Yeah. And I believe that kind of goes along with Facebook as well, because instead of going to someone asking them what's going on in your life and just finding out from the person themselves, mm -hmm. you can just scroll down their feed and see everything that's going on. Yeah. This thing about uh, uh, curating, you know, a museum uh, curator, what does he do? What does she do? She puts out the exhibit exactly like she wants everybody to see it. They're, they're, that's what's going on with social media now. Unpack that for us. Come on, this curating business. I think that's where the danger and where social media, you know, kind of brings us down, even though it has great positive aspects, is that we look and we see all the positive, all the great things that everyone else is doing, and then we look and reflect on our own life and we realize, hey, I'm not in Europe. I'm not doing this crazy thing. I'm not doing this awesome thing. And so because of that, it brings us down and we end up reflecting and being saddened by our own experience because we're not living this beautiful, quote unquote, beautiful life that mm -hmm. everyone else is. Mm -hmm. and, and also well. it could even turn into a competition, you know, who has more followers? Uh, it's this, this facade of who's more popular, or who, uh, who has more friends? And I think that, that it's easy to get trapped in that. Yeah, it, it, uh, it just leaves a hole in your heart. Now listen, before you sit down, there's a verse, uh, let's put it on the screen here, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, there it is, a person who has friends must herself be friendly, must himself be friendly. So you guys are, are uh, maxed out with social media. But uh, real quick, just something you do on campus that reaches out of your cocoon to uh, be a friend to somebody. A thing I love doing is just looking up from my phone and seeing who's around me that, you know, I have a chance to talk to, chance to interact with. Mm -hmm. Some of the most meaningful experiences in my life have come from that. Hey, I'm single and, you know, other people, that may be a possible opportunity to find your future girlfriend, your future spouse, you know. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Well, I guess for me on a daily basis, mm. it's an intentionality that I try to have. Mm. Every morning... I believe that where we ground ourselves is in Jesus Christ. And people see that, you know. If one day I forget or if I say, mm, I'm not feeling today and I forget to talk to my creator, my interactions throughout the day, I think people can feel that. And they can see the intentionality between me loving them through Jesus' eyes and me trying to love them just out of my own self. Because at the end of the day, God is love. Praise God. And we God. can't reproduce that. Yeah. Rebecca. I think it's last, not just a, a daily thing, right? It's mm -hmm. about maintaining that friendship. And for me, the most important thing is knowing my worth in Christ first. Mm -hmm. And my main goal in life is to pursue that relationship and that walk with Jesus. So I look around campus and I say, who else can I take on that journey with mm -hmm. me? Who else can walk with me? If I see someone sitting alone or if I just, when I pray and say, hey, you know, the Holy Spirit speaks and say, I want you to pray for this person today. And I truly, truly believe that God places us daily in just areas and exactly where we need to be to reach out to those around us. Hey, guys, some young wisdom. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing with us. Put your hands together for our uh, presenters, our Gen Z presenters. Okay, let's run through these. These are, I'm going to fire these off at you. Would you kindly jot them down, please? Take your study guide out now. There's a study guide tucked into your worship bulletin. looks like this. At the bottom of the page, we've, we've already covered all that, so get down to the bottom, four secrets to growing friendships. And while you're doing that, and uh, let's put a, a title slide on for the uh, viewers. There we go. New Perceptions. Those of you that are live streaming already know the, the site, but those of you watching on television now or 
some, de some delay somewhere. There you go, newperceptions.tv. You're looking for a brand-new miniseries, only three long. Yeah, ushers, would you please stand uh, and uh, hold your hand up if you, need, if you didn't get one of these when you came in. Just hold your hand up. Here they come. So anyway, three-part series, Roommates, Bad Dates, and Soulmates. This is our first part. Let's go. Friendship secret number one. Jot it down, please. Less of me and more of you. This is the principle called unselfishness. It's like this guy was talking with this girl, and they were, he was going on and on about himself, all the places he'd been to, all the food he had eaten, all the things he had done, and he finally ran out of steam, and he said, that's enough of me talking about me. Why don't you talk? What do you think about me? <laughs> yeah, really. It's just kind of like, uh, are you serious? Uh, Jennifer Swartzer says, listen, don't be too hard on him. We all do this. Put it on the screen. She's writing, we have all done it. We have all suffered when others have done it. The monologuist, I like that word, fails to hold an actual conversation. They seem to thrive on the sound of their own voice. You have met people like that. Present company accepted, of course. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, what does the Bible say? Oh, the big love chapter. Love is not self-seeking. Love is unselfish. It is not self-seeking. Friendship secret number one, less of me and more of you. And by the way, it is not always about you. Relax. Relax. Okay, friendship secret number two, jot it down. Let's talk. Oh, this is the great principle for any relationship on earth. You got to communicate, communication. You need to know less of me and more of you does not mean less of talk. No, you got to talk and talk and talk a lot. That's what makes relationships work. That's what makes friendships work. That's what makes marriages work. You've got to talk. We've got to communicate. The trick with social media, as the Gen Zers were just talking about, the trick is that you think you're having this, your chap Snapchat away, and you think you're having this great conversation. You know what you're doing? You're just letting the other person know on the other end of the line that you're still breathing. That's it. There's nothing deep. There's no deep going on here. It just becomes a way of, oh, we're, uh, we're in touch. No, 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 no. You got to talk. Uh, I like this. The husband and wife counselors, Les and Leslie Parrott, in their book, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts, jot this down. Consider this fact. They're writing. Men, men say three times as many words in public as they do in private. Would that be true, guys? Three times as many words in public as in private. Nah, you're not sure, are you? What about the women? Women say three times as many words in private as they do in public. Huh? What do you think? One wife told these, uh, these counselors, one wife told them, talking to my husband is like playing tennis with no one in the other court. Did these balls ever come back? Yeah. One counselor suggests that the amount of time a couple spends in, a, in an average week, the amount of time in meaningful conversation, 17 minutes. Honey, where's the remote is not conversation. <laughs> 17 minutes of meaningful conversation. Think about that. Whoa. Now, my wife, Karen, she's sitting on the front row, so I have to be careful now. My wife, Karen, likes to talk, all right? But I like to talk, so this, that's not a negative. She likes to talk. But I keep forgetting the little rule, two ears, one mouth. Why? Because you do this twice as much, supposed to, as this. And when she comes home and she wants to just go off, go on about uh, her work or a conversation she had with so-and-so or an email thread, 
As soon as she starts talking, do you know what I'm thinking? I can solve this. I can do this. And I'm now working through, I'm not even listening because I'm planning. This is the idea. You know what? She could give two hoots about any solution that I can offer. You know what she wants? Compassionate, caring, listening. That's all. When she gets it all out, she's good. And that was our conversation. Sometimes we've got to remember this. Active, active listening is a part of active talking. You've got to listen. It's not just yak, 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 yak. All right? Uh, oh, this is good. Alan McGinnis in his book, Friendship Factor. There can be no intimacy without conversation. Because some guys spend the evening with their wives this way. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. No, no, no. Grunt, 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 grunt. And then they want to jump in bed with that girl and be intimate. You just blew it, buddy. Conversation is how intimacy is developed. Yeah. Oh, let's talk. Let's talk. Okay, so friendship secret number two. Let's talk. There are only four of these. Here comes number three. Friendship secret number three. Quit keeping score. It's the gift of a good forgetter. Every friendship needs the gift of a good forgetter because scorekeepers destroy relationships. You know that. I want to put this on the screen. Jacques Vaudray, he is a family therapist down in the Caribbean. His wonderful book, Six Dynamic Keys. On the screen, keeping score belongs in competitive sports, not in a mutually supportive relationship. The idea that love involves some sort of quid pro quo, that means this for that, is at best evidence of immaturity that needs to be outgrown. At worst, it's a distortion of love that turns two people into unhappy combatants vying for control. True story. I once knew, knew two men who could not forgive, who could not forgive. One of them did something that ticked the other guy off. I was in the middle of their friendship. I saw their friendship. It was a one, they were the best of friends. But one day, one of them did something that just ticked the other off. And guess what? The other became a scorekeeper. And because of that scorekeeping, that friendship could never be restored at all. It was a sad and sorry story. And by the way, the only way that friendship can be restored today is if they both set the score back to zero, zero, and then quit counting. That's the only way, guys. In marriages, in friendships, you can't keep score. Uh, Jesus taught us how to pray. It's the Lord's Prayer. We're going to sing it in just a moment. In the Lord's Prayer is this line, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Jesus says, and for, the prayer includes the words, and forgive us our debts as we also have, that's the NIV, and then I'm adding, because the Greek tense really suggests this, and forgive us our debts as we also have already forgiven our debtors. That's what Jesus is saying to pray. In other words, dear God, please treat me the way I have already treated my friends. And God said, boom, what about that scorekeeping? Oh, come on, God, don't worry about that. No, 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 no. God says, listen, you want me to forgive you? You're holding on to an unforgiving spirit. And if you're holding on to it, I can't take it away anyway. That's why I can't. It's not God's not being mean. I just can't. Forgive us our sins as we have already quit keeping score for others. 
Uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in that dark and awful moment. Do you know what? When G Judas comes walking up to him, one of the inner circle, he, he is going to betray him right now. Do you know what Jesus called Judas? Put it on the screen. Matthew 26, verse 50. Jesus calls him friend. Friend. Wow. Because that's what friends do. They're good forgivers. They're good forgetters. Friendship secret number three, quit keeping score. Finally, friendship secret number four, I'm willing to lose so that you can win. It's called the principle of self-sacrifice. If you're not willing to sacrifice for that relationship, I don't care how shallow or how deep it is, and I don't care with whom it is, if you're not willing to sacrifice for that relationship, you've lost it. It's gone. It's nothing but surface. True friendship, true friends sacrifice for each other. And the most compelling evidence of that is a mother loving her child. I saw some beautiful children and beautiful moms just coming up here a moment ago for the children's story. You know what? I conducted the funeral once of a baby who was burned to death in a house fire. Yeah, it was just, just, just utterly sad. You've read the stories. We've all read them of the mother when she realizes she gets outside and she realizes, one, two, three, we're missing one. She's screaming. She starts to go back in. The neighbors grab her. The burly firemen, they hold on to her. If they would release her for one moment, boom, she'd be in that fire, dead as well. Willing to give, lay down her life for that child. On the eve of his execution, Jesus himself spoke words that have become immortal. Now, John chapter 15, verse 13, let's say these words out loud together. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends, which is precisely what Jesus did on the cross for sinners like you and me. He laid down His life. And guess what? Because He laid down His life for His friends, you are a friend of His. Absolutely. You are a friend of His. He laid down His life for you. He did it for me. And when you have a friend who has laid down his life for you, can you ever have a closer friend in the world, in the universe? BFF? Are you kidding? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Take out the bottom of your little uh, study guide. You pull off the, the uh, Connect card like this. Pastor Riley's already talked about it. You fill out what's on the front that you're comfortable doing, and then turn to the back because I want to look at the next steps. There are three of them. My next steps today, number one, I want to put into practice the four secrets to growing a friendship to expand and deepen my relationships. Man, I want to do that, and I'm sure you do too. Put a check mark there. Box number two, I'm in, Dwight. Listen, I want to continue deeper in this series. I, I, I want to invite you to just come on. There are only two more parts left, but just keep going deeper in this. It's a win-win. It's a win-win for you. Put a check mark there and say, hey, yo, I'll be there for you. Okay? And finally, box number three, please send me the book on the life of Jesus. This is a book that I want to send to anybody who's visiting here today, anybody who's a guest. Our ushers are already standing up. You can see them. They're going to pick these cards up in just one split second. But if you're a guest here, you're a friend here visiting, we're happy to have you. Put a check mark there. I have to have a mailing address. You pick the mailing address you wish. We'll send it to that address. I want you to have this book. You're going to be glad. It's a book on the life of Jesus. It's going to bless you to the max. Just a short little thing. Put a check mark there. I'm telling you, there's somebody who cares. There's somebody who knows you and loves you like nobody else on this planet. You take it to him. 
Take that friendship. Take that relationship to him. He's got everything you need to not only turn it around, to deepen it like it has never been deepened before. So don't give up. Hold on, as the choir sang a moment ago. Now, look, this is the moment. When we, when we launch a new school year here at Andrews University, the very first worship service on the weekend, we sing at the conclusion of the service the mighty Lord's Prayer. We're going to sing that right now. 